Take some paracetamol then. Okay. She punched a couple of tablets out of a pack on the bedside table and handed them to me, together with a glass of water. I propped myself up on one elbow to get them down. Thanks. I'll be fine now. Sleep well then. She ran a hand over me hair, got up, went back to the door and closed it softly. The landing light went out and I heard the door of our bedroom click shut. Our bedroom. I should have been sleeping there, in our big double bed. The fact that I was on my own summed everything up. The recurring nightmare was my excuse for sleeping alone. I'd moved out to the spare room because I didn't want to keep waking Kath with me bad dreams. But that was only the tip of our troubles. Beneath the surface, something far deeper had gone wrong. I knew full well that me troubles stemmed from what had happened in the desert and in that shit heap of a hospital in Iraq. Without doubt, the origins of me problem lay there. But why had it taken me this way? Me arm had healed perfectly, and I'd suffered no other physical injury. So was I somehow damaged psychologically? I thought of Tony, good, tough guy that he was. Tony, who'd shared me captivity and done so much to get me through it, with his indomitable spirit and unfeeling sense of humour. As a SEAL, a member of the American Sea, Air and Land Special Forces Unit, he'd been through far worse ordeals than I had. He'd come out the Gulf very much in one piece. Was I so much inferior to him that I couldn't stand the strain? I kept thinking back to what it had been like before, between me and Kath. Brilliant, in a word. We'd met four years earlier and we'd been delighted to discover that our twenty-fifth birthdays were both coming up within a week of each other. Now, lying in the dark, I remember the day we'd found Keeper's Cottage, or KC for short. The little old house out in the country suited us perfectly. The footpaths and woodland tracks all round were ideal for running, and I could train there just as well as round the camp. Tim was born, on time, in the county hospital in Hereford. I watched him come into the world. I held Cass' hand and tried to share a pain. He weighed eight pounds two ounces, and once he was cleaned up, we could see he was going to have hair even fairer and eyes even bluer than his mother's. Cass' parents were so chuffed with their first grandchild that they came straight over from Belfast to see him. So we carried on, happy with each other. It was only when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and D's squadron was deployed to the Gulf War that things began to go belly up. Once our SAS patrols had gone over the border into Iraq at the end of January 91, there was no chance of communicating with home, and it wasn't until the 9th of April, when we were in Cyprus on our way back, that I spoke to Kath again. During those ten weeks, I'd been through quite a bit. Like everyone else, I looked forward to getting back. Yet when I reached Hereford, there was something wrong. I didn't even seem to fancy Kath anymore. I couldn't make love to her. I could hardly kiss her on the cheek or even look her in the eye. Well, she was hurt, of course. Although she played it down, she couldn't conceal her worry and unhappiness. Then the nightmares and the headaches began. I started on the booze, and instead of mending, our relationship went further downhill. The paracetamol was starting to take effect. Slowly my head eased and some of the anxieties fell away. I heard the clock in the living room strike four, and I was all. Next day was bright and brilliant, a glorious May morning. 
When I came into the kitchen, sunlight was already streaming across the table, and Tim's face, plastered with porridge, was such a sight that I couldn't help smiling. As always, Kath had made proper coffee, and as I got myself a cup, I announced, I've come to a decision. I'm going to see the doc. Great. Kath's face lit up. She knew I'd resisted the idea before. See what he thinks, she said. Can't do any harm. I headed for the med centre, hoping that Tracy Jordan would be on duty. <laughs> Nearly six feet in her socks, with wild, coppery curls tied up in a top knot that made her look even taller, Tracy was all arms and legs, and at twenty-three or twenty-four still seemed like an overgrown filly. She was quite a well-known figure about camp, because she was athletic, and was often to be seen running with a girlfriend in the lunch hour. I'd often noticed that her eyes carried a hint of suppressed merriment, and this, combined with a tendency to utter mildly piss-taken remarks, made several of the guys fancy her.